How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Uh, it's going pretty well. I was actually... I had a prepped answer of bad, mm-hmm. but then uh, the heating pad and my back came to some type of mutual agreement a little bit ago, uh, so I think we're okay. That's good. Yeah, my... my uh... I th- where I thought that was going was like I had the prepped answer of bad and then I panicked and just said like no, it's going good. <laughs> but I want people to think I'm okay. <laughs> How about you? But the masquerade of emotion. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Uh, first day off um, from my PTO which is going for like a week and a half or so at this point. Oh hey nice. I'm looking forward to catch up on some games, some media, figure out who this um uh what is it maybe i'll maybe i'll check out invincible i think that that show was called yeah that's uh i think it's on amazon i feel like probably there was some other stuff if it is amazon that i need to catch up on that people have said was exclusively on amazon so i mean i enjoyed watching it Mm -hmm. yeah i i mean i literally know just the one thing that turned into a meme Yes, uh, which unfortunately uh, is also like very plot heavy. Or it really <laughs> is, um, <laughs> but that's the one that made it. I'm glad that I watched the show before the memes started coming up. So I was like, oh, I can appreciate it. Not like that spoiled something probably important. Right. And then you go watch the show, you're like, I don't know where that comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Some just catch up on some of that. Uh, it's impossible for me to always avoid spoilers because I usually watch shows like three years after everyone else does. Um, so much so that people are like, I thought everyone has seen this show and I'm fairly confident that I explicitly recommended it to you years ago, but what's the threshold (laughs) on that? Do you think for spoilers like that? Or should you always ask? I don't know. I mean, probably give it like a year or two years. It depends on whether it's like a big TV show or like I recommended this anime, right? Because if it's like. So, so for example, like Game of Thrones, right? Like it would have been kind of douchey to spoil anything within the last season, which eventually was spread out across years, right? So, yeah, I think, I think like within, let's say half a year after mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, you can maybe say like benefit of the doubt, people might still be trying to check it out. Maybe don't talk about it just out of the blue. Like you could say like it sucked. Yeah. Um, but then don't go into specifically why it sucked. If they're like, oh, we haven't seen it yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but for Game of Thrones as a whole, at this point, I can yes. talk about any goddamn thing I please. Yeah. You should know by now, or you don't care because you haven't checked it out. Generation generations have risen and fallen since like the last major book was released for Game of Thrones. It's been like two hundred years. <laughs> yeah, it's I think we're good at that point. But yeah. I will say like anime is a little more niche because like, you yeah. could have something on your backlog of, Oh, I have been meaning to check that out. And then someone's like, Oh, my favorite part in episode two of this season was when this happened. And I'm like, Oh, all right, cool. Thanks for just blurting <laughs> that out randomly. <laughs> Don't you hate how the protagonist died? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I guess everybody dies, but it's still a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. It's wait, actually, were you referencing a specific anime? Cause no, I, think that, I, I was... it... Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you could pre- you could fill it. I guess anyone could have filled one in for that, but yeah, one jumps to mind. But for the sake of if somebody hasn't watched it, I won't make the joke. Yeah. The nice thing is, it is literally so vague. It could be 
any anime, I guess. <laughs> I haven't watched that many Slice of Life, so I have to assume that usually the protagonist dies. <laughs> That's a lot of Slice of Life. That is the the Slice of Life. It's the last slice. <laughs> right. Death. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's when you 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 go to the fridge for the last slice, <laughs> and there is nothing left. That is, that it's death. Oh, or is it like it's that slice of toast as they're like running to school? Mm. Is that the slice of life? I don't know. There's a lot of things you could slice. <laughs> Statistically, for me, it's going to be some sort of cheese, but I don't know. <laughs> I just... When's the last I... time you sliced cheese, though? Oh, uh, actually, no, this is not impossible. Um, sometimes you get like cracker cheese specifically in a block. You usually got to slice that up. I will say legitimately, I do always enjoy like block cheese more than like deli sliced. Yeah. Usually I can get better types of cheeses like smoked Gouda, mm-hmm. but I often deprive myself of it because I'm like, what am I just going to eat this on its own? That's how it would happen. Um, yeah. The the ratio of cracker to cheese tends to skew in favor of the cheese. <laughs> if you if I'm doing my own slicing, have you ever tried cheese with some crumbs on it? Delightful. <laughs> it's really just like, all right. So we have the block. I bisect it and I put this on two crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that'll be on my list of things to do eventually. Is just grab some cheese. Mm-hmm. Usually, when I grab cheese, I'm like, oh, I want to put it in something. Or like, I'll have other ingredients like a tortilla or bread. I'm like, this needs cheese to go with it. Right. And I don't know where blocko cheese fits into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if it's cheese for a tortilla, it's queso, I think. so. It's regionalized. Mm. Mm. Ah, mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. <laughs> queso is the molten cheese, I think, is usually how it's... It's, it's delightful, but I'd put it under, like, cheese product. Yeah. Like well, it's, I mean, it's the word means great on cheese. Chips. Yeah, it's just we have an interpretation of cheese. Well, I'm, I'm thinking is... of like I'm jumping to Tostitos, which is a bad exactly. assumption on my part. But like actual queso, holy fuck, that shit slaps. Yeah, yeah. But that'll be in a, in a day of the future with restaurants where we actually go to Plaza Azteca in person with people. Oh, it's been a while. Although, just this week, uh, we did have a happy hour at Pizza Pub. Did you guys seriously? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I miss those days. It was it Did was Did you get like, a cranberry juice? I got three. Yeah. <laughs> oh my what? god, I miss oh, those days. Um <laughs> yeah, I, I had this whole like when I was ordering the cranberry juice, I was like, oh I'm not having anything. I don't know why. I kinda like panicked in the moment. Like, I'm not having anything al- alcoholic. So I guess like a cranberry juice, and she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she took it in stride, but I could tell in the moment. I was like, you know, that first thing that you just said, none of that matters. You could have just ordered a cranberry juice. <laughs> could I have a non-alcoholic cranberry juice? You mean a cranberry juice? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah that thanks. one. Thank you. Um, could I have a water? Uh, Don't spike it with vodka, please. Aw, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that was good. I had, um, since it was a happy hour, we filled up on apps, you know, a lot. And then split to... Uh, uh, buffalo chicken uh, pizzas, but you nice. know we got the the modification, so it was dragon fire sauce instead. Um, and it was a little less spicy than I remember it being. I think that maybe it was just the like blue cheese to dragon fire ratio, but still very good. I remember liking that a lot. Yeah, it's dangerous, but like 
So I'm not even I'm not even the hot sauce guy. I should really just turn the segment over to Dave. You know, just offer it on. I was gonna say a pallet, but um, I mean, my hot sauce tolerance has gone down quite a bit. Yeah, I even threw out the two hot sauces I had lurking in the shelves because um, they <laughs> they were dusty on the <laughs> inside. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining like less less. Uh, it be late at night and it's a low light situation. You're like stumbling around and you grab the hot sauce and add it to your, your food. <laughs> when I funny go image. for the shredded cheese from the fridge, I'm like, needs a little something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A sauce. But I would still say that you're more tolerant than I am. Oh yeah. Pretty much all <laughs> creeds and religions and races. I definitely agree with that. Um, but specifically hot sauce, yeah. But yeah, specifically hot sauce too. Yeah. It's more I can I can tough it out at this point. Um it's it's gonna wreak havoc on my insides though. So I try and steer away from it now. Yeah. Um but if it's like for the sake of a challenge, I'll still ruin my body for a joke. So <laughs> yeah. but some things haven't changed since high school. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just... <laughs> yeah. Are we still playing Rochambeau after this? What's going on with that? <laughs> I don't actually know what Rochambeau is. I think if described, I would know the activity, but I don't have an association in my brain. Oh, it's just like a dumb boys thing of like, we're going to kick each other in the balls and take turns doing so. Okay. No, that does sound. So I didn't do that. I have heard of it. It did sound really dumb. It's not a good game or even (laughs) a game. There's no winner. (laughs) That's the problem. There's a win condition, but you're not going to feel like a winner. Everyone loses. All right, very very brief segue because I never get to share this story. Um, back in high school, when we were forced to play sports uh, during gym, uh, we had like a section of like maybe two weeks of volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before I appreciated volleyball in incapacity and had any hand-eye coordination. And I think I was up at net to block. Yeah, that was the intention. Right. Didn't didn't pan out that way. Uh, there was like this big guy on the other side. He jumped up, spiked the ball. And I kind of had like the bump position out to like, oh, it's going to deflect off my arms and go up to uh-huh. a teammate. Went through my arms, hit me square on the dick. <laughs> oh, um, no. And <laughs> it had enough blowback that like it, it stunned the other parts of the genital area as well. And I just kind of like, I'm like, I need like two points. Oh, so I just, I, I just walked off the court for like five minutes and was like, that sucks. And then I went back and played. But. Jeez. I've never been hitting the dick since, so that's that's, that's not too bad. I've learned yeah. my lesson. <laughs> Tried it, didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, for uh, for some reason. Even though I knew the subject context, I thought you were going to say the ball bounced off your arms up into your face. I'm pretty sure that's happened to me at some point. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that's that's but, happened too. Um, <laughs> for me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that description's far worse. <laughs> yeah, not, I'm just. Not <laughs> I don't. I don't know why, but my mind does these embellishments as you're telling the story, and I'm imagining your arms were closed and they opened at the last <laughs> second to allow the ball through. <laughs> my arms didn't want to get hit. They're like, save yourself. Sacrifice the balls. Have a meeting with your body later, and you're like, never sacrifice the balls again. The rest of you are here to protect him. (laughs) Get down, Mr. President. Um, Yeah. That's a pretty good story, though. So what are we talking about tonight? I don't know. I figured we could talk about a game whenever we feel like it. 
anything else that might be important coming up. All right, let me let me quick scroll through the list of. Oh, here's one. Okay, we actually had a requested episode uh, from a while back, mm-hmm. and we said we'll get to it eventually, nerd. Um, but this is our Witcher three episode. Oh, so this is yeah. actually requested by a friend of the show who's actually been on the podcast with us and has helped like purchase some games for us over the years. Uh, we have a good relationship with them as a person. So this episode is for you, uh, Geronimo Makuchi, if mm. I'm reading that right. Yeah. Big surprising. fan of the Witcher 3 series. I assume Witcher 3 the most. Right. Appreciates Witcher 1 and 2 in the series. I think I'm actually, I think I might be friends with Geronimo on some social media. Okay. And uh, I, I think, I think Witcher 3 is the only one he's played. I believe nice. that's the case. Yeah. If I'm thinking of the right guy. Well, then I'm glad we're doing three and not two or one. Right. I was actually, so in preparing some notes for this episode that um, we just came up for the title with the title for, um, I think that uh, I have a little section in there for like, hey, here's a brief aside, a comparison, comparison to like two and one. And it's going to be, it's going to be quite brief. <laughs> Those games have not held up. <laughs> I think I got one on the cheap. Because I think I played Witcher 3 a while back. And I was like, oh, this is all right. Yeah. So let me let me check out one. Uh-huh. And then within two minutes, I'm like, fuck that. And yeah. then I stopped playing it. It's basically going from like cave paintings to the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> like that's really the uh, the progression throughout the series. Yeah, it's um, it's changed a lot, but in a good way. Yeah. So who, who developed Witcher 3? So... I know that that's a segue or like just an easy hook, but Cyberpunk Red Company, not a lot of heard of them. Um, Haven't made anything else. Did you say Cyberpunk Red? I did say (laughs) Cyberpunk Red. That's the game that was created by CD Projekt Red, which is actually, I feel like that's too close, right? That's an easy mistake to make. I thought you were just like branding them permanently like, hey, you're Cyberpunk Red to me now. Right. Those are actually really close. I didn't. Perhaps I should have thought of that association between the names. <laughs> but, um, those are those are. That's unfortunate. You should never name a game that's so close to your company name after you release your first game. <laughs> Probably true, but so for those of you who don't remember, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven was a comical shit show of a game release. But one of the reasons that it had such high hopes going into it is because CG Project Red had such stellar reviews mm-hmm. for Witcher 3 as yeah. far as everything. It really like when it came out it's it scored very highly in like story, character driven, open world, good RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Like it just fucking knocked it out of the park in a lot of areas where some games might excel at one or two. This mm-hmm. was kind of like yo, game of the year material right here. Yeah. And it actually got, I appreciate that you corrected me on the name of the game that was wrong, Cyberpunk 2077. I am having a time tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I appreciate all corrections. I do think that, um, like, particularly the big, there was a huge difference from, like, Witcher 2 to 3. They're like, hey, let's make an open world game, and we're going to just nail all of these points, and the story is going to actually be comprehensible, unlike number 2. And... I don't know. It was a very, it was a triumph in an open world space. And anytime like a game developer that I think is pretty established 
as being strictly in this space can break out and hit like a big genre, a challenging genre. Open world is definitely a challenging genre. Um, and Excel, that's worthy of commendation. They actually got the Game of the Year reward. They didn't just make the DLC re-release, right? <laughs> and call yeah. it like, oh yeah, the Ultra ex- Super Expansion. <laughs> no, it's... The thing is, like, as good as it was, what was it, like six years ago when it came out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It still holds up. So, like, Jake yeah. and I were talking a little bit ago about, like, what are some other open world games that we've played, experienced, and enjoyed? So, like, for me... I played Tsushima probably most recently for like an open world. Uh, it is gorgeous and the gameplay feels really good, but I don't give two shits about the story or the characters. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. fine. They serve their purpose. But for me, there's no hook. Mm-hmm. But with Witcher three, like every little side character, I'm just I get drawn into because they have human mannerisms. They have like right. nuance. They have back and forth in like their banter. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, what's their relationship? Why is this guy so fucking sassy? Um, and like, they actually round the characters with personality. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite things about the game. You really feel like you're dealing with people in The Witcher. And I don't know if it was like a requirement when they were going through and doing world building, but they're like, all right, now that you have like the gist of this character, like introduce tragedy and then like rewrite them. But that's kind of just the way the world works like the witcher has a very dark world where bad things happen to all people (laughs) there's not like any sort of exception to that it feels like a grim fable in a way you know um i mean everything's set in kind of like i always want to say like 1600s castles and moors and farms and shit like it's just it's poor, simple times. Um, and there's it, like magic and other things, which if you don't have access to, and you're just like a fucking peasant, uh, your life is kind of up to the will of the fates or the yeah. weather or some guy who has something more than you do. Right. It's very like, it's limited magic setting. So it's like, it, it, it is fantasy. There's literally sorceresses, magical events magical monsters things like that but like to your average jobber like no one has access to magic even witchers use signs which are just like budget magic or like magic if you stopped at a 101 course um specifically to just because they want to cast fast i guess and all of that but they're not meant to be incredibly powerful so Mm -hmm. the world feels more grounded around that peasants in the field their problem is are their crops okay? Has any member of their family been abducted by monsters? Like, or the war <laughs> that's ongoing? Um, they don't really care that you're like, oh man, you can really do that sparky fire thing with any time that you walk up and interact with a lamp. <laughs> yeah, and and the whole thing of like being a witcher is for the uninitiated. Witchers mm-hmm. will kill monsters for money. Yep. So like they are trained to do stuff. They undergo. Uh, modifications they know some budget magic and they know how to fight really well they can fight people and they can fight monsters and they have one sword for each steel for people and silver swords for monsters Mm -hmm. Uh, but basically like you'll get hired on one of these side quests because peasants are like hey uh, somebody went missing and we found their body and it shredded the pieces and we don't want that to happen to anybody else could you look (laughs) into it and fix it thank you 
<laughs> so a like, lot of times the villagers also don't come out to you after like the first shredded person. Like, yeah, 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 maybe coincidence. Maybe maybe it was a fluke. <laughs> maybe it was a <laughs> fluke that Timmy ran in the forest and died. Well, yeah. Usually, like you're going through town and like you'll see like a job posting. You're talking to an NPC. They're not like running up to you. Uh huh. That would be weird for gameplay if you're just like, oh, let me go to the to the local shop and maybe pick up some items this, like there's like a trail of npcs like hey hey witcher please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i will say i have had the opposite experience though it's kind of harder to do unless you're just trying to clear the map which i did for the early part of the game at least um but there were times that i dealt with a monster and then i found the contract provider i was they're just like hey are you about are you here about like the the monster contract and you're like which one <laughs> like oh it was the uh it was the the wyvern you're like oh yeah i killed one of those <laughs> he's like oh here's money <laughs> um the downside is that if you uh do that you can't haggle for the price you can't basically like extort yeah. this like poor as dirt farmer while you have more money than you ever needed in your inventory <laughs> you're just like I mean, there's literally a point in the game where uh, like one of the uh, contract owners will like offer you like his daughter died or something and he'll like offer you the dowry as payment for completing the quest. And you can be like, no, that's morally wrong or, huh, I never thought I'd receive a dowry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. So there are a lot of, I wouldn't say moral dilemmas per se, but like they will kind of give you options between being a more of a benefactor type character yeah. or just I'm in this only for me. Yeah. Is there a certain way that you played through this game? I think the first time that I played, so I, I got partially through in this playthrough in this review playthrough, but the first time I played through and beat it, um, I had, I started at least as a more like generous, just helping the townsfolk RPG folk hero style character and then like it must have been midway through the game i realized that you don't need to do that and the game was never gonna reward me for it right like if you're playing a bioware game and you do the right thing you're like no i will not take payment from my services um this is for you then like you get like paragon points here you go you go on light side good job good guy and then in this game they're like oh okay thanks there's nothing else. <laughs> it's like you just get to role play as somebody who's not taking payment. It's not a bad thing, but it's actually considered a good thing because the universe isn't cosmically aligned more beneficially to you now, right? Yeah. You're just like, yeah, you just didn't take money. <laughs> yeah. Like you'll have some quest lines later where it, it matters what you do mm -hmm. as far as are you actually helping that person out or helping somebody else out? maybe through some turn of events, but at least for this review playthrough, I, I went more like I want money and I want to kill stuff. Yeah. So mm -hmm. If I was provided either of those options, I would opt into that. <laughs> the game is very accommodating for, and it's actually more accurate to like, yes, you can play Garrett however you want, but he's a monster hunter. Like as a profession, it doesn't make sense for him to forgo payment. There's literally a part in the game where I killed a monster. I like completed the contract and I found someone else who uh, wanted someone to take care of the monster as like a separate endeavor. And I was like, 
yeah, I'll just collect two. I'll just collect payment from two people. Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> that's good. That's a good deal. Yeah. And also, like, things are really fucking expensive in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, maybe you start with like 100 gold, for example. And like, the first armor is like, yeah, it's going to be 500. You're like, okay, well, I collected uh, some berries and like some scraps here. How much is that? Oh, mm-hmm. that's five gold. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you either like collect and sell everything or you extort everybody for money and just try and get the money where you can. Yeah. But basically. also it, I feel it encourages exploration because mm-hmm. like I'll explore parts of the map. I'll see like a little question mark of like, Hey, there's something here. I don't know what it point is. Point of interest, like, right? I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. And then maybe you'll find like a chest with money or loot you can sell or mm-hmm. things to fight. So like that was always a driving factor for me because I was poor as fuck for a really long time. And I wanted to be able to buy cool things. I was going to correct you on money you can sell, but there actually is a currency exchange <laughs> in one of the major cities. Oh, did I say money you can sell? Yeah, well, you said money or loot you can sell. So Money, English comma, <laughs> or loot, which you can sell. Yes, with a hyphen between everywhere. <laughs> or, you, or loot you can sell. <laughs> but yeah, there is a money chain exchanger, so it works in either case. Um, that's definitely where I think most of my money came from, particularly if you're going for the sort of map completion style i want to investigate every point of interest i want to do all the side quests you'll end up with a lot of money um but like you said things are very expensive um particularly good gear which the game it kind of like rations for you and it's like we're kind of going to get broken as soon as you really have the set of gear that you want so we're not going to give it to you like too early yeah, you can still find good stuff though throughout. Yeah. Like I feel if you do some optional and some MSQ, like I was always finding like unique blades. I'm like, oh, it's better than my thing. Swap mm-hmm. it out, sell the old one. Or like the Witcher school gear. There's like different side quests for getting all of their gear. So it's like here's the cat set, the griffin set, the bear set. Uh there might have been an eagle, can't remember. I feel like there's um, definitely wolf. four schools. Yeah. I just don't remember I, what they are. I think that's it. It's cat, uh, wolf, bear, and griffin. I'm pretty sure those are the four. Yeah. Um, And that gear is always really good. And if you can upgrade it like all the way, which basically requires finding like people who are capable of upgrading it to the next tier, better blacksmiths, essentially, um, it becomes like really really good you get set bonuses in a game that is not diablo (laughs) so that's pretty good (laughs) i didn't even know you could upgrade gear uh (laughs) it's it's at a certain level increment so like if you got all the griffin set gear i think you can level it the first time upgrade it the first time at like level 16 okay and then again at like 20 something and then like 30 whatever Hmm. Um, i don't even think it was a mechanic at the game's launch uh, CD Project Red has added a lot over the years. Well, if you're somebody who actually likes to upgrade their gear, please keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Like I I got through a lot of the game without doing probably smart things within the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I I know we we talked about <laughs> your preparation for <laughs> fights. <laughs> so one of the things you can do with fights is. Like, let's say you're trying to track a specific beast. Uh, you can do, like, lore research about what it's weak to, and you can put, like, specific oils on your blade, 
or drink certain potions to give you benefits in battle against that. Furry um, oil. Now, if you're me, you're mashing the X button, which is the quick attack, and then occasionally <laughs> doing Igni as your fire cast. Um, yeah. And then you do B as your dodge roll while your stamina comes back. I will brute force right. my way through so many games until a game makes me say, no, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. The Dark Souls approach does basically work, particularly on normal difficulty for a lot of the game. <laughs> yeah. It's, but the diversity is there. And I do say normal difficulty because, um, so like every game in the Witcher series, in fact, just the Witcher like premise is, it's actually really similar to Monster Hunter, not just in function, but like in, hey, what do I need to bring to this fight? Um, hunting monsters is the same in Japan as it is in this world. Poland? Uh, I was going squ- <laughs> to squint a little bit, though, because I feel like, I mean, I guess in both, you can still brute force it. I mean, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. for like Monster Hunter, if a monster has a very specific weakness, mm-hmm. you really need to abuse that because like the fights can be very drawn out. Yeah. Um, whereas if I'm in relative level range of a monster I'm trying to fight, um, I can just eat bread, get a fuck ton of regen of that because I put a skill point in. Whenever you eat food, you get regen for like two minutes. And I'm like, yeah. cool. And then I'll just I'll hit on it with my stick until yes. it dies. I, I think in both games you can for a lot of fights, particularly the early ones, brute force it. But um, there's a particular enemy I'm thinking of that was really the catalyst for me working into preparation in The Witcher. Mm-hmm. It was either a fiend or a chort. Um, but it's basically a large forest monstrosity and it had like a roar attack that stuns. Um, That's the short. Yeah. And it is such a problem um because you you just take like so much damage every time it hits you and it can stun you like an obnoxious amount and i'm like this is not a fun fight why is this the way that it is um and then i eventually found out that there's a decoction which um which are three introduced the previous games didn't have them to my recollection which literally just makes you immune to that stun and now the fight's basically a joke because you can Dark Souls 3 quick attack dodge. <laughs> um, but without that, it was an absolute pain to deal with. It was literally this one item switched it from very, very difficult and obnoxious to essentially trivial. So do your research, as I've been saying. <laughs> and the game encourages you encourages you to do that, like the uh, beastery. Beastarity? Beastery? Beastery. Beastery. Bestiary. Bestiary. Thank you. I was like, all of these attempts have been wrong. Bestiary. Um, we'll tell you, use this oil. Uh, it's weak to this type of bomb. Here's uh, magic. It's, you know, potentially weak to. And knowing that up front, figuring that out is like a large part of, I would say 75% of a contract is getting information about the target. Again, this is if you go about it the correct way. <laughs> um, so outside of me beating stuff with a stick and going obviously very physical attack heavy mm-hmm. um, and you venturing into some decoctions, mm-hmm. how how do you normally build? Uh, I really tried to not go magic this time and I failed. I went back to magic. It's the most broken thing in Witcher 3. 
you can feel really powerful if you go other directions and to my gameplay none of it is as ridiculous as if you go full magic um it's it's a joke actually <laughs> I, think, I think you were telling me before you can actually like burn lock people with igni yeah. at a certain level yeah there's a um it's funny because igni is the the starter magical thing when you played skyrim first two spells you get heal yourself and <laughs> heal yourself burn other people it's a living you know um and this is the burn other people spell you described to igni quick burst of fire in front of you and roughly 45 degree cone i would say maybe a little bit wider but it's aoe and the balancing part at the beginning of the game is it takes your full stamina bar and your stamina takes a while to recharge. So it's not going to, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to spam it much. Mm-hmm. And it's very unlikely to light enemies on fire. There's like an incinerate condition. Um, but if you put points in this thing, um, you can get it. So incinerate happens like 75% of the time. And there's a skill that is every piece of medium armor you equip makes you regenerate our, uh, stamina even faster. <laughs> and so every two seconds, you can just cast this high damage AOE spell with a good chance to basically stun enemies because they're on fire. <laughs> and the game's done. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, you can use it against basic enemies, monsters, and bigger set piece bosses. It's just yeah. like... I burn you. I cast burn again. And then I, them... no, 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 I'm not done yet. I cast burn again. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> some of the, some of them are immune to the like incinerate stun effect, but not nearly as many monsters as you would think. Um, and you can roll still. It interrupts your stamina region, I believe for a moment, but you can still roll if you don't have stamina. Um, and that way it's a little different than dark souls. Sounds closer to Dark Souls 3 at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's closer to Dark Souls 3. <laughs> um, and the other spells are also good. One of them is a take no damage personal halo shield, basically, that you can upgrade to make like a bubble around you. And if you get hit, you heal, actually, instead of taking damage then. Um, the bubble can break. It like uses your stamina for energy, but like turning a boss's attacks into health is really good. If you're standing in poison, you can just hold the button and heal over time <laughs> as the Jeez. poison is hitting your shield. I know it's, some of the other magics are kind of like used for utility. Like yeah. there is, mm-hmm. is it? I'm gonna say something from Dota two. Uh, What's the the force push? Uh, Ard. Ard. Yeah. You can use that to like break easily damaged like walls, mm-hmm. like a, a door or like some rubble. That's used throughout, but not oh. usually. I'm not using it in combat. Yeah, it starts. It's probably the weakest start in combat, but it's another one where if you have a there's a potency attribute for how like powerful the spell is. Igni's potency causes it to like do more damage and has that chance to ignite. Ard's potency is the chance to knock enemies over. Um, And certain enemies are weak to it, usually like harpies or flying monsters, where they'll always basically be knocked to the ground. Uh, but if an enemy's on the ground, you can execute them. You can just walk up and be like, stab though. I've done that before with harpies, mm-hmm. but it's because like they charged me. I did my level one Igni. And they're like, <laughs> fuck. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> give them the chop. Yeah. yeah Usually it's... 
Oh, I was just going to say, uh, usually I, I start a playthrough with uh, Yerdin, but okay. eventually you swap off to just more effective ones. I feel like early enough you have a very broad access. Like, you don't have points in anything. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you get levels, you can put points into a tree and then say, like, these are my active things that I have access to. Yeah. And then you can buff them. So you're like, oh, well, this will give me better quick attacks, which is the route I went this time. Mm-hmm. There's stuff for strong attacks. There's stuff for like deflecting projectiles. Uh, yeah. There's the different magics we're talking about. There's some utility options as well. There's stuff for specifically decoctions. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot you can explore. Um, but since it it does take a bit to level, I found like the first thing that worked for me and kind of invested in it. But you could definitely put like a couple of early points and stuff to see what you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel Respecting. like you can't go wrong. You can you can respect, but it costs yeah. money. Yeah, it's like a thousand gold, and it's not really available till you hit some of the first major cities, so it's not super common. I would argue you probably could go wrong, but the game is balanced in such a way that even if you pick a suboptimal decision, it's not going to be unbeatable. Like you don't have to really put skills in anything; they're just very powerful potentially. Yeah, like you're not going to get yourself out of anything though. Yeah. Like, because there's, I like the skill tree as a whole. I think it's a good idea. You have to like slot the skills into active boxes to actually get use out of them. Mm-hmm. And then you can put um, like a mutagen for extra synergy bonuses, things. It's cool. It's a cool little system. It reminds me a little bit of Materia from like Final Fantasy VII. Um, but the part i'm less sold on is there's actually a bunch of trees so we we went you mentioned a lot of the useful trees like we went through magic there's utility trees like healing extra bonus healing um getting more stamina regen uh, fast attack slow attack but then there's trees like bombs and crossbow is a distinct tree and then there's a tree for um potions which is okay but like a separate tree for something else. And like, uh, I don't know. It's so much. It's so much. Yeah, it's it's a little wide because I feel like you're not going to ever invest into like potions, bombs or crossbows really mm-hmm. until like you, you'd have to like really see them as effective. Yeah, because like when you get thrown into something, you're like, oh, I'm going to hit stuff with my attack and I'm going to use one of my magic abilities. Mm-hmm. So those are the two you're most familiar with. So most likely to invest in. Yeah, and they hit you with that in the tutorial. I think the only potion they make you create like through the tutorial is swallow, which is like the heal over time. <laughs> I'm getting the eyebrows. <laughs> it's the heal over time. Um, very ubiquitous across the Witcher games. Yeah. But also but, like you do get healing regeneration from just eating any type of food yeah. on mm-hmm. its own. And then with the point I was talking about in utility, anytime I eat anything, I would get that active. You're just going to keep healing over time bonus. Mm-hmm. So I just steal bread or water from villagers just from their houses as they're sleeping. And then I go fight <laughs> something like just, just eating snacks while I fight, you know? Yeah, it's very much like Legend of Zelda loot system where you just go into people's homes and like take everything. Except like Link was for the most part just breaking their pottery. Um, Geralt straight up like just steals their personal belongings. Yeah. It's like I walked into a home and I looted a child's doll. <laughs> and they're like, was this like... A, 
abandoned home, like a loot, like a post battlefield. The town's deserted. He's like, no, no, this is the major city. I just walked up and stole a kid's doll. <laughs> yeah, which or Geralt is an asshole, at least how I play him. But yeah. All right. Before we get too off on all the intricacies and mechanics, I feel like we need to talk about some of the story. That's right. Or one of the areas. Um, sure. And I feel like you know which one we're going to because it's the one that everybody always talks about. But it's because it's really fucking good. Yeah. So there is a quest line in Velen, which is a kind of, I want to say it's a big moor area. Yeah. It's kind of like a sad, swampy village place. Mm -hmm. And as per the environment, life is shit. But you get a quest uh, from this baron where he wants you to like find his missing wife and daughter. Yes. And I don't want to spoil everything about it, Mm -hmm. but holy shit. This was the hook for me. Like mm-hmm. it went from before playing this, like this game is enjoyable to holy shit. I'm, I'm thoroughly invested. Yeah. Because the quest is not like, Hey, go here, do thing. It becomes like a multi-part quest and you think all of these things are unrelated and then it all ties back together. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's so good. It's, it's so really fucking good. good. It's actually like almost good to the point of being detrimental because there's few points very like quite as evocative and narratively constructed as this one particular quest line later in the game. There are points later in the game where it's like, as part of this main quest, you need to complete all of these subquests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're mostly hits. I don't mean to like criticize them, but this is a standout for sure. It's really good. Um, and it has the right. Uh, something I want to touch on when, since we're talking a little bit about the story is like Witcher 1 didn't really open really well with the story. Witcher 2 was like, hey, there's so much we have to explain to you or you won't be able to appreciate this that it was like impenetrable. Witcher 3 does enough kinetic storytelling that I feel you can. It's 100% the best one to start with. Um. Because you don't, you can start this game not knowing anything, and it's like, oh, here is a man trying to find a woman. There you go, good enough, enough to run on. They can introduce the rest as you go. Yeah, you really just need that basic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you go, you you discover more about the nuance and like what's actually happening. Yeah, because like you find out, I feel like it's not a spoiler at this point the Baron and his wife did not have the best relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're like, Oh, she ran away because he was abusive and shitty. Yeah. And then you find out reasons about like more reasons of why that's the case mm-hmm. and like other things that happened. Um, so it, it turns, they do a really good job of introducing a character like that. And you're like, Oh, they're just blanket piece of shit or like, they're yeah, just a one facet character. And yeah. And then you come back at the end of part of the quest and you're like, Oh, things have changed. Oh, things have changed. Uh So they're really good of going from like a single facet character to a multifaceted character. So Mm -hmm. while I don't like the the Bloody Baron as a character, as -hmm. far as like who he is, uh, as far as like how well-rounded he is, I really do appreciate everything that went into him. Yeah. Because like you see where he's coming from. Yeah. It's so much more than a one-dimensional like quest if this was something like the elder scrolls it would be like hey find my loved one 
and then you would go and you would do that. There they are. Okay. The quest is complete. And this, it's like, find my loved ones. And then you start to learn about the character of the person that you're doing the quest for. And you learn about the character of the people that you're trying to find. And maybe you find them and the game gives you different options than what like the person you're doing the quest for actually wants. Like that's a really recurring theme in a lot of the quests and subquests that there are multiple ways to complete it. Um, and you could be just money grubby, whatever gets me the most capitalism points. Um, or you can try to go through it with some sort of moral line and the game will really rib you for that. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you want to like, Oh, you want to be the good guy. You want to do the right thing in every situation. Is that what you want to do? You want to only do the things that don't have negative consequences. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is kind of what we were talking about before. If like, the game giving you those options of do you want to be the good guy or kind of like the more selfish individual mm-hmm. um but if you are always trying to be the good guy because of the nature of the game and it's in its world um not all things will end happy all the time 100 yeah. uh yes shit's gonna go awry a lot and you can't control it um but you might think you're doing the best situation for the time being but maybe that'll cause some butterfly effect down the line yeah, and this game, this is one of the things I think that makes it a good, um, a good open world narrative game. Is your choices oftentimes do actually have consequences? Yeah. We talked a little bit. I don't know if it was on episode about like Mass Effect recently. I believe it was, and how it's just kind of at the end you get computer terminals telling you like, "Hey, thanks for helping me out with that thing two games ago." And you're like, "Yeah, I remember that." <laughs> um, nameless space peasant, like fifty four. Um, this game is a lot more like I'm going to spoil one really, really early consequence because um, it's literally put right in front of you at the beginning of the game. Um, as soon as you arrive in Belen, there's like a wounded person at the end of the road. And it's the very first road you start on uh, that you could help. He's like tied up next to some drowners. Um, if you don't help him, he's going to die and you can help him. You can set him free. It'd be like. I'm the good guy. And later you find him and he's a straight up bandit. Like he's killed people. He's got all their personal possessions like near him. And he's like, thanks for helping me out. Here's 50 coins or whatever. But he never, he never forgets a debt. (laughs) He doesn't. Yeah. He literally helps you out. He's like, Hey, you want to like join us around the fire? We can like eat. Here's your reward. Thanks for helping me out. And that's a level of realism like as far as how in groups out groups work in real life that yeah. video games don't portray, you know? Yeah, it's, they do a really good job of it and it makes you always kind of question what you're doing for your playthrough. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know. I like to do what just feels good in the moment because it's a game, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to have the moral high ground when I do all things. I'm not trying to like play a maniacal villain all the time. Right. But so I'm going to spoil something a little bit for another quest line in the Velen arc. Yeah. But I need you to remind me of the name of a certain blonde sorceress. Blonde sorceress, uh, Kira Metz. Kira Metz. Yeah. So she's a sorceress. Uh, you do some stuff for her. You guys. Wink, wink. Get, <laughs> it gets a little frisky. <laughs> but basically, something that she's looking into is like an object of great power, which as far as we know at this point in the game, 
could cause like a terrible disease yeah. or fix mm-hmm. it maybe, right? So when I was initially playing the game, I was talking with you and I believe other Justin as far mm-hmm. as like that quest line. I was like, oh, that was really cool. How like the story played out. And then did you guys kill Kira Metz too? <laughs> and you guys said, what? And I said, oh, uh, did you did you not? Because at the point in the game, like after you go find her for like after she runs off, yeah, you can say like, hey, um, I'm not going to let you get away with this manuscript thing. Yeah. Or you could let her have it and do whatever. Like there's a yeah. lot of ways you can go down. Um, but I just said like, no, I don't I don't trust you with this. I don't know you enough. I don't trust you. Yeah. So we ended up fighting and then I killed her. Yeah. So that's how my playthrough went. But I didn't know that there were other options. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jake and Justin obviously went a different route. So yeah. I love having those types of conversations in games where it's here's how I did it. And somebody goes, I had no idea you could do that. Yeah. It's very much like usually games don't let you kill well fleshed out characters or have terrible things really happen to them unless it's part of the main narrative plot. And there's like there's literally three ways that that quest sequence can end up um, maybe four and could be misremembering one. But it's it's really rare that the game's just like, oh, you're kind of just like acting like a douchebag to this person that um, is trying to help you. Uh, they're just not going to or you, you want to kill them to just take what they have. There is a dialogue option for that, you know, um, yeah, it's kind of nuts what they'll let you do. Yeah, the game, if you want to go through as pure good, the game is going to really just stab you over and over with it. If you want to go through as like pure evil, it kind of might work. But going through like Dave's going and going like, hey, I'm going to do basically what I want is definitely the least punishing, particularly if you're like, I'll just take money for every single thing that I can take money for. <laughs> I'm just trying to out here trying to get paid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to uh, hit some other points while sure. we're here. Yeah. There's so much in this. I, game, yeah, right? there really is. And so I apologize for the things that we missed that <laughs> wants to talk about, whether this is uh generic specifically or some, another listener. But who's that? Yeah, I don't know. They're not familiar with Ger- that name. Geronimo. My bad. Oh, okay. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so, which of the sorceresses did you try in romance? Ooh, okay. Um, probably depends on the playthrough. I'm pretty sure I can tell you from experience that if you try to be a playboy, that doesn't work out very well. Um, I think usually go with Yennefer. That's fair. She does have a unicorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuffed unicorn. Yeah. Um, and literally like this is you, you asked this question is kind of like a top level thing, but this is through the series. Mm-hmm. Girls gone through this entire arc. These are all just plot lines for previous games. It's like um, he lost his memory. He ended up with Triss. Um, a tryst with Triss, if you will. Uh, but he was supposed to be in a relationship with Yennefer because they had the spell cast on them like when they were brought back to life and they're drawn to each other and it's this is like enchantment kind of we're attracted to each other but we don't even know if that's what we want sort of thing um, and they that all comes to a head in The Witcher 3 and you don't have to know about all of it but the game will tell you a little bit at least um 
and that's literally just the romantic interest in this game like it's just a, an aside basically yeah so like these so are did you pick that was, was gonna be my question <laughs> don't ask uh, <laughs> i like redheads <laughs> that's a total lie so so i will say at least uh, as far as the sorcerer stuff is concerned it's not just like who you want to fuck like yeah. these are actual that was characters throughout the game <laughs> like they will have quest lines and interactions and you'll see them again unless you kill them um yeah <laughs> i believe i picked uh, yennefer as well yeah. because like that's just who i saw the most in the game um mm-hmm. Though in my first playthrough, I did try and fuck everybody um, mm. because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah, the game the game is not full frontal, but it is top top frontal. So. Yeah, you 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 see some bodies pressed up against each other type stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not full on graphic, but it's it's more so up. than other games yeah. for sure. <laughs> that was actually a thing for the first game in particular because like it was a little bit more this is why I hate video games. It's a, a fulfillment of the male fantasy type style thing where yeah. it's like you could go through in the Witcher one and literally be like, I'm going to bang all these people. And each time like there was a romantic interaction, um, there's no cutscene or whatever. You would get a card, literally like a card art, um, usually topless of that character. And it was a collect them all type situation. Uh, and <laughs> the proverbial I mean, belt notch. Yeah, it's literally that. It's saying it's misogynistic is not a stretch. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so at least in The Witcher Three, they're a little bit more realistic about it, and they do kind of punish a pure misogynistic approach. Also, your character has motivations. Like, there's main things you're trying to, your people, people you're trying to find, and things you're trying to acquire. To the extent that, like, doing side quests. Role from a role play perspective doesn't always make sense. You're like, I must find this person, but I mean, yeah, I guess if you got something in the sewers, I could check that. Out too. <laughs> well, I mean, is it how important is it that I find them now? <laughs> right, that's my question. The game does have a few things that are timed, but they're very far and in, in between. Far and few in between. That's what I meant. To say. Yeah, the Cyberpunk I- actually has more, I believe. I will say at least as far as like the sorceresses are concerned, like you can always tell like there's some history between you and these yeah. ladies. Um, Cause I jumped in like Witcher 70, three 80. as well. Um, so I haven't played the previous games to know that, but like you do, you do feel that back and forth and that there is like some type of pre-existing relationship. Yes. They pretty much all know him because there's a, a lodge of sorceresses, a flock, if you will. Um, and Geralt's been around a long time. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I was looking this up to see if this was for this specific game or not. But Geralt's like 100 years old. Really? Yeah. Because he's undergone the trial of the grasses, the Witcher mutations, all of that. They mm-hmm. screwed with his screwed with his growth. But um, the sorceresses are like, hey, here is a very capable combat professional um, who is sterile like us. And we can basically use them. And that's what they do. <laughs> so it's, I, I will say it's not just for sex. It's a lot of times like they need him to do X, Y, and Z uh, uh, because he is very competent. Mm-hmm. So they will kind they of manipulate him. Man, yeah, exactly. Manipulate him yeah. to like do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you as the player 
who wants to have a sex scene later will be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go find the cheese wheels in the market. I'm all good for that. He's <laughs> <laughs> rolling back this big wheel of cheese. Gonna have some sex. Gonna have some sex. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining this as the... Uh, is it Odysseus with a rock? Rolling the rock up. Sisyphus. Sisyphus, Sisyphus. yeah. Right. Rolling the rock up. Who's Odysseus? Oh, fucking hell. I can't remember that one. Somebody Anyways. who's not in Hades, Jake. I'm, I'm imagining Sisyphus, but it's like a giant cheese wheel. And he's like, as soon as I get this cheese wheel up this hill, <laughs> sex. <laughs> but yeah, it is from a morality standpoint, there's, you're going to find things objectionable that people do in this game. It Part of it is just, it's a little bit non Poland is Western, but this is not traditional American Western storylines and outcomes and all of that. It's like very much more war torn. Anything goes medieval land than uh, some sort of moral story. Yeah, basically um, Poland. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had to throw in that one cheap joke because I, I actually like Poland. I want to go back at some point, but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely more grim dark, but it's mm-hmm. in a good way. I feel it's for at, adults. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like at this point, if you're looking for something that's going to be more rounded and I don't want to say family friendly because that kind of puts too much of a a friendly tone on it. Uh-huh. But if you always want a happy ending type stuff, this will not be the game for you. Mm, for sure. Pop is. Yeah. <laughs> but I keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there are other games that will fill that void, so to speak. Um, mm. But this is more so just the story is so good. The characters yeah. are so good. Um, I really enjoy the combat. Like it's aged a little bit, but it, it's still it really good compared it, to anything else up. in the series. Yeah. And hey, maybe maybe combat's not your thing. Maybe you want some type of other game mechanic within the game. And for those of you sick fucks, there <laughs> is a game called Gwent. Yeah. And I will now put down the mic and let Jake <laughs> take over the episode. So, anyways, Gwent is a card game. That's it. No, uh, it's it's very um i mean it literally exists as they have it as a separate game you can play online now but um, but the, the main the core standalone is a little bit different from what they have in witcher 3 it uses the same rules but they do have more cards okay um and i maybe they have some different commanders but the short of it is you draw you have a deck you populate it with however many cards you want you draw from that deck and those are the cards that you will basically use for the rest of the game uh, first one to win two two rounds wins. Um, you try to put more points on the board than your opponent, but you can also screw with their board a little bit or do a little feint to play a card and then take it back into your hand with a decoy or something, play the card again. And so the game starts out really straightforward, sort of like, my guys are stronger than your guys. And by the end, it's like, uh, I'm trying to get as many points onto your side of the board as possible to give myself more cards so that I'll win the later rounds while you burn everything out. There's a lot of strategy to it. Um, and it's way better than it should be for a mini game that was included in a single player game. And also this real. <laughs> for those of those people like who that sounds cool to, I believe it's every single merchant in the game you can play Gwent against and you can win different cards. Yeah. They actually have like a quest line to win cards. Yeah. 
the game actually so there's an achievement for getting every card um in the game and some of them are actually skippable you can miss them in like main story options um but at launch there was no way to track all of the cards and eventually they apparently went back because when i played through there's a book in your quest log and it's like this magically updates as you complete your quint collection and it'll tell you like you're missing two cards in bell and one oh, card okay. in white orchard yeah, to kind of help out that's convenient because i hate trying to like look online for like where the fuck is this one thing i can't find uh-huh. yep i remember i was trying to make a specific bomb and i'm like where is crow's eye and it's like uh-huh. it's fucking everywhere i'm like where where everywhere <laughs> well find first you find a crow <laughs> no it's actually, it's actually like in a some fucking bush something. yeah it's just yeah, it's uh-huh. some random bush i just had to wait and find it or find a merchant that could sell it to me i realize this silly. is an aside but uh even you mentioned crow's eye and alchemy and stuff alchemy is so much better in the witcher 3 than any previous witcher it's ridiculous for comparison Things were easier to make in Witcher 1, but they always took the full ingredient list. In The Witcher 3, it's a little bit more complicated to make a potion the first time, and it might take some exotic ingredients that require you to actually go out and quest and experience the game. But once you make it, you get that potion every single time you rest for an hour. Like You can refill your potions anytime you're out of combat, basically. Uh, That's really nice. Compared to microing all these potions that you might not want to even pause to use anyways. Yeah, and especially with uh, the item fear that all gamers have of, when am I going to use my elixirs? <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly, you get them back every time you rest. So, potions and bombs. Um, so, feel free to use them. They're dirt cheap. You magically replenish the entire stock. Geralt, like, has... He has a wine cellar full, full of potions... And then whenever he like has a rowdy night, drinks all of them, um, he can be like, oh, I'm going to use one dwarven alcohol when I rest and replace that entire cellar and all of my bombs. <laughs> and, uh, and he's been an alcoholic ever since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Jesus turned water to wine, but this was an equivalent exchange, presumably the same amount of liquid. Geralt takes one flask of alcohol and rebuilds all of his bombs and potion collection. Dear God. <laughs> Presumably, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. And so then, I know we, we, we got to stop. The decoctions are even better. Those didn't exist. This one is just like, we're going to fill your toxicity meter almost entirely, but you don't have to worry about it. Here's a buff for like 30 minutes. So good. I just hate that I keep laughing at decoctions. Um, <laughs> There's a cockatrice decoction. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask, as kind of like a closing thought, did you uh-huh. have any standout moments or experiences from playing The Witcher 3 that you think are worth sharing to get somebody hooked if they are not already by this point? What's funny, I mean, like, so Bloody Baron Quest is great. We talked about that. Um, I think about bugs, sort of. And that's not something to get people to play the game. There is a there is a quest you can do where it takes place. It goes through like this cave, and it's like a level thirteen ish quest. And enemies are leveled in this game. Sometimes you run across stuff you just can't fight yet. They don't all level with you, uh, which is fine. It, it'll approach. be marked as uh, you're gonna get fucking dead. Yeah, this enemy has a skull for a difficulty indicator, um, and this is one of those enemies. So he's on top of the hill. 
where this cave runs, but he has like a teleport like move. And if he senses you fighting these other guys in this cave, he'll teleport into the cave, kill everyone else, and then one shot you. Um, so you run away or die. Basically, you can't do damage to him in any real capacity. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was hilarious. I eventually did come back and killed him. But, um, <laughs> it was uh, it was funny. Otherwise, I think the game's just it's it's a really good adventure simulator. A lot of good memorable side quests or things that turn you a little bit for a loop. And I like the Batman like investigation part of preparing for the encounter with a monster. Yeah, it feels good to like unravel some stuff. You kind of hey, here's a monster, go check these tracks. And then you kind of like get some pieces of a bigger story. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, each side quest, you don't know if it's going to be something very kind of brief or if it kind of explodes into like this bigger grand quest. Yeah. But every time like a quest, not contract, that's been presented, mm-hmm. they've done a really good job of making it interesting to where I get drawn in. Yeah. Like these little like side characters and NPCs who like you shouldn't give a shit about. I'm like, oh, like I actually got invested there, and that's fucking wild. Yeah. Like the one I wanted to talk about again, going back to Kira Metz was the Rat Tower. Mm-hmm. So when you like go there to talk to the ghosts of like, hey, uh, you ghosts aren't leaving the place. What's up? Why are your <laughs> yeah. souls not rested? <laughs> and she's I'm here like, the landlord, and you guys need to leave. <laughs> yeah, and then basically do you care if i spoil this point no this i think we've covered a little bit about this already we'll put minor spoilers for the title so basically you talk to the ghost and she's like hey i died um my boyfriend left me and Mm. like could you bring him back to like say goodbye right johnny bravo yeah yeah um and you you go and you bring him back and then she basically says like she wants you to kill him because he left her uh, and she wants him to die as well. Mm-hmm. But like also you hear depending. like, well, yeah, this is actually already indeterminate depending on some quests, some decisions you made. There, there are some decisions, but that is a possible outcome. But also mm-hmm. like you hear like the way that she died and like the whole thing is like, ugh, it's, it's, dark it's, it's awful. Yeah. But it had me really invested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like having those like little experiences like that, that like gives me the chills. Um, mm-hmm. I'll always look back on fondly of like a game made me feel something. That was really cool. Yeah. There's literally entire classifications of monsters that are, they're created through misdeeds. <laughs> like it's terrible death situations or something like people that. who cheated um, Uno, you name it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the worst actually. That's how you get a short. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's very much that occasional quest that really pulls you back in and pushes the rest forward. Not that there, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of like filler, but there is a lot of here's your baseline monster hunting content. And then occasionally it's like, Oh snap, there's more complicated motives going on here. And then behind this all, there's an actual main plot that we haven't touched on in the slightest. <laughs> Who's Siri? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, thanks right. for coming out tonight, I'm everybody. Sure it's, a, it's an Apple thing. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, excellent game, though. Good recommendation. Um, 
Mr. Uh, what, what, I can't remember his name. Geronimo? Was Geronimo, it? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, unfortunately, it took us a long time to get to this one, but there's a long queue. A uh, lot of requests that have been sent in and hey, over the years. Actually, I feel like this timing, although we really postponed it for no good reason at all, is convenient for an upcoming event. Oh, yeah. What's the event? <laughs> no, oh, uh, Geronimo will be getting married. Oh, I should know this. I did say I was friends on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. congratulations to him and Mel. We're looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Uh, yeah. We love you both. And for everyone else who's listening to this episode, you're all right. Um, yeah, you're definitely passable. But you could be even more liked if you, like Geronimo, sent in your own suggestions for future episodes. Um, can't be anything else in The Witcher because uh, I'm not going to go back and play one and two. But it could be something else. Um, and if you have an idea like that, feel free to send that in soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you could join the discussion on Facebook um, congratulate Geronimo on his uh, upcoming wedding and uh, join the discussion where we talk about games other things, usually not that much but you could be you could be the impetus, you could start this facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast and as always, we'll see you in the next one have a good night, and if you're playing Witcher 3 don't forget to swallow swallow